I'm Adam Wainwright. And I'm Ed Kennard. And we're the hosts of The Greatest Song Ever Sung Poorly, the podcast that takes karaoke exactly as seriously as it should be taken. No interview was complete without our quick fire game, where we ask everyone the same five questions, culminating in the most important question we could ever ask. If you could magically strike one song from every karaoke playlist forever, which song would you choose? Don't stop believing. Oh, Ice Ice Baby. Great. Just because that song needs to be destroyed for all time. Easy Lover by Phil Collins. I think Picture. Picture is just a song of love and heartbreak. Uh, and it just, it ruins nights. I want to say Sweet Caroline. Probably My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion. Only one? Only one. Um, can I can I pick one band? So hey, if you love karaoke, have sang karaoke, been in a place where karaoke was happening, or are vaguely aware that something called karaoke exists, Come hang out with us. All episodes and info are available at sungpoorly.com. And remember that singing off key is still technically singing. Good People, Cool Things is a podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. Get inspired by their stories to do your own cool thing. And here's your host, Joey Held. Welcome to Good People, Cool Things. Today's guest is Francis Delario, a poet and teacher from Pennsylvania. And Francis has so many cool things that he's done. This is why he's on the show. It's called Good People, Cool Things. <laughs> you get it now. His latest book is Joy, a collection of poetry that, as we talk about, started off with the intention of being joyful. But then, hey, sometimes life likes to punch you and kick you and knock you down. Francis has also written two other collections, If and When We Wake, and Please Plant This Book with illustrations by Scott Hutchison. And on top of that, Francis has released All Is Not Lost, a collaborative vinyl EP of poetry-infused music, which helps benefit the Tiny Changes charity organization. And With a Difference, which is such a cool concept, it's a book of covers with another writer. Francis writes some of writer Nick Gregorio's stories, turns those into poems, and Nick turns some of Francis's poems into stories. It's a brilliant idea. I want to see more people doing it. Let's collaborate. Let's make it happen because collaboration is fantastic and we should do more of it. You're not going to see as much of the world if you don't experience it with other people. That's probably on a bumper sticker somewhere. If not, we'll have them in the merch shop by next episode. If you'd like to get in touch with good people, cool things, you can reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at GPCT Podcast or send me an email, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Even better, Head on over to goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Just give me your email address. Real simple, real simple. I'm not asking for $3,000. I'm not asking for a firstborn child or anything like that. Just an email address. And you'll get all kinds of helpful resources, tools, tips to help you reach your creative goals, whatever they may be. You're going to get a lot of the good stuff, just like this conversation with Francis. To start, for people who might not be familiar with your work, can you give us your name and your elevator pitch and then the type of elevator that we're riding on? Oh, okay. Um, So my name is Francis Delario, and I am a poet and teacher from the Philadelphia suburbs. Um, My work, so I try to create poetry that helps people examine their place in the world. Um, I think that the way that the world is so complex and complicated makes it kind of hard to figure out who we are. Um, but I think that's a really necessary element of life. So my elevator pitches, I write work that tries to help people explore what their life is like and purpose and happiness and joy. Um, and the elevator is, Oh gosh, 
gosh, I'm sure this is probably so common. Can I be that glass elevator from Wonka that like floats around uh, so you can see everything from a higher perspective? Absolutely. You can be whatever elevator you want. I like it. I like it. Now, going way back to the first thing you ever wrote, do you remember it? So I feel like some writers, it's like they've got it framed or they've got it, you know, set in their head of what they wrote. Others are like, I don't know. I barely remember what I wrote a year ago. So what? where do you fall on that? So it depends uh, what we're talking about. Um, I remember writing little poems and stuff as a kid. Uh, I was definitely already into writing pretty early on. But I guess somewhere around middle school, I stopped writing for writing and started writing for music and lyrics and things like that. So there was a really long gap where I wasn't really writing any poetry at all. Um, And then I guess sometime right within my first year of teaching. So my first year out of college, probably around like 23 years old. um, I remember a student of mine gave me a copy of Richard Browdigan's book, um, The Pill Versus the Spring Hill Mine Disaster which is a collection of poetry and it blew me away. And she said, you're weird. This is weird. I think you'll probably like this. Um, (laughs) And I read that and was like, wow, this is incredible. I'd like to try and do this. And so I guess it was around 23. I started writing again and I can remember the first thing I wrote then Um, it was a lousy little poem that I showed to a friend of mine and he said, it sounds cool, but I'll be honest. I don't think it means anything. (laughs) And he was completely right. Um, And so that was kind of, I kept doing that until I felt comfortable enough applying for MFAs. I like it. And that's a, that's a good friend too, that they'll, they'll be honest like that. Oh yeah. You know what? He's my, he's my editing partner to this day. Now we just, we throw poems back and forth at each other all the time. I couldn't write anything without him. (laughs) That's the, that's a ringing endorsement. I like that. I like that. (laughs) Now your latest collection is joy, um, which this is kind of a two-part question because some of your other titles, I think, are are uh, very. I don't even know what the word I'm looking for is, but they're very like they they stand out. Like if and when we wake, please plant this book. But joy, a a simple word, just something you know, one simple. Word, one word was was that like always the the plan? Like how do you come up with the titles? I guess is is kind of the first part of the question, and then for joy in particular, what was the inspiration behind it? So. uh my first collection was full of these really short, actually very Browdigan-esque poems. Um, they could be digested in like a hot second. I would write them. I would speak, write them into my voice memo app on my phone on the turnpike on my way to work in the morning. So that's how I wrote like my entire first book. And so I loved sticking these really, really long titles on these really short little poems. Like uh, there's a poem in that book called I keep talking to past relatives when I'm supposed to be talking to God. And I think the poems only three lines, three short lines long. Um, And so after I started doing more readings, uh, particularly after please plant this book came out, I was like, man, these poems are so short. I love doing readings, but these short poems, you have to read like 30 of them to get through a night. And it just makes everything difficult. And I I was really getting into writing in longer form because it was just more fun. I think it was just a palate cleanse, but reading them at shows was just way more interesting. So what I ended up with was this collection Joy that has comparatively substantially longer poems. And so I thought, let's give it a really short title. Um, And Joy is what came out. I like it. I like. It. Do you have a particular favorite from the bunch? 
Uh, sh- I think right now my favorite is a poem called Good Morning Blueberry. And it's the sec- third poem in the book. And it's interesting. So when I set out to write this book, it was right after If and When We Wake had, had come out. So this was around 2016 I started thinking about this. Um, and it was, one, it was terrible. The things that I was writing just weren't, I couldn't find my footing with it. Um, and then my wife got pregnant and I, we were both so excited. And I was like, I'm going to write a happy book. I'm going to completely shift gears. I'm going to redirect from If and When We Wake and I'm going to write something happy. And then everything just kept getting difficult. I mean, the the last hunk of years was just so tough. And then my writing partner, Scott, who illustrated my books, my If and When We Wake and then Please Plant This Book, was set to illustrate Joy. Um, and he tragically passed away by suicide in 2018. So despite like trying so hard to write a happy book, I just kept getting punched back down, back down, back down. And so what ended up happening was uh, this book that kind of contemplates joy a little bit, um, but doesn't ever really feel like it completely gets there. But this is the long way of saying that my favorite poem is Good Morning Blueberry, which is about expecting a new baby. And it was the, I think the last poem I wrote for the book, but it's the third poem in the book. And it's what I had first envisioned the entire thing would feel like just these really overjoyous, like, yes, things can be wonderful. Um, so it fits where it is, but it was just, it's funny that that came last in the writing process. Yeah. I think it's, it's always interesting, especially with any kind of collection and, uh, to, to kind of see like, Hey, where, where do these go? Like within it? And I, I know something, I wrote a book of short stories and I know something people always ask is how did you know it was done? Like, how did you know this collection was complete? And I was like, I don't know. It just, it felt like it. Like, yeah. I, can't, I can't, there's no actual feeling. So do you get asked that all the time? I, I Judging by your face, it seems like perhaps, yes, that's come across. I struggle so much with putting things in order. So I don't write chronologically, but I really like when a, when a book follows a sort of path. And I, I even though they're poems, I sometimes try to include like an arc in the book. Like it's, if you want to read it cover to cover, it will feel like you should have. So that helps me kind of determine when it's done. Like when the story that I was aiming to tell has been kind of covered front to back. Um, I at least have like a plot line outline, which is so weird. It feels like we're talking about fiction, but I, I can only write about things that happen to me. Um, so I guess I guess I just wanted to tell this story of how a hunt for happiness didn't end with happiness, but maybe with a stronger understanding of life. Um, and when I felt like I had answered that, it was done. But as far as like, I need this many poems and this many pages and this many words, I can't. Yeah, that just, I don't think that happens. <laughs> I know. I'm always impressed with the people that say, I think they're lying. Though. Yeah, I do too. But it's fine. It's fine. Uh, Hindsight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I knew exactly at 68,301 <laughs> words. Flawless, flawless. We've got behind you, in fact, uh, your vinyl of poetry inspired music, All Is Not Lost. Yes. Which is perfect for an audio podcast to call that out. <laughs> but you, you had mentioned how you kind of took a break from writing poetry to kind of write music uh, earlier in your life. Is there a significant difference in your approach to writing between the two mediums? So I don't think I'm. 
I don't think I'm by far a fantastic poet. I don't think that like this is my I, I love doing it and I'm happy that people buy the books. I can list a billion other people that are better at it than me. However, I am exponentially better at writing poetry than I am at writing lyrics. I think I'm just a garbage lyricist. Um so it was fun and I love that process, but yeah, this is just it's completely different. So it, it's is this a one and done type of thing then, or do you have? So I actually didn't do the music for this. Um, okay, okay. Yeah, this was a collaborative thing. Um, I guess coming out of that working in bands thing for you know my adolescence, I love collaborations. So my first two books were illustrated. This record has uh, a song by Laurie Cameron, who's a Scottish artist, on the A side, and then on the other side is myself and a Philly musician. Um, and I'm reciting poetry over his music. Um, but I just love working with other people. It's so much fun. So uh, the record is probably a one-off. I do have a few um, digital tracks that are coming out in the next couple of weeks that I'm really excited about um, that are just, again, it's me speaking over people's music. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think I'll be diving back into the actual music. <laughs> At least not right now. Yeah, it's it's a completely different world, for sure. And this segues actually nicely into another thing I wanted to talk about, the collaboration idea. Because I agree, I think it's so much fun to collaborate with people. They'll help generate ideas that like, I would have never thought yeah. of. And it's just so cool to see how other people's brains work, really, in, in any kind of setting, but particularly in, in kind of a creative space like this. And I really like the split album that you did with Nick Gregorio. Uh, called With a Difference. Yes. And I loved the inspiration behind it of the NoFX and Rancid split from 20 years ago now, which is like baffling <laughs> to think about. Oh, we're old. And, <laughs> it's very, very upsetting. So for, I, I mean, I assume this idea just came from the collaboration sort of element to it, but was was there a particular Rancid or NoFX song that you were listening to on that split where you were like... So I just got lucky. I hit the jackpot. I didn't have to come up with this idea. So this... <laughs> Nick uh, is a good friend of mine. Uh, we went to high school together. We went to um, graduate school for our MFAs at the same place. And he was supporting me on one of my Please Plant This Book readings. And after the show, asked if I would be interested in trying this out. And I thought it sounded fantastic, but I can't claim any of the genius behind the concept because it was completely him but it is so cool um it it's like an album so it's a book that you have to flip over to read both sides um almost like directions that are in other languages besides english when you get like you know ikea furniture or whatever where you just keep flipping for new languages um and none of that makes sense to me <laughs> i know you're like wow god there's so many more than english yeah. <laughs> um but yeah so i uh that was completely his idea. Nice. And and the concept of is you're taking his stories and turning them into poems. He's taking your poems, turning them into stories. Yes. How, like, did you decide beforehand, you're like, hey, this, these are the ones, or did you write all new ones for that? How did, how did that work? And how was it kind of taking someone else's work and, and turning it into your own? It was hard, uh, but it was really <laughs> fun. So, what we did was we determined how many pieces we were each going to do. And then I went through. So he has a novel and a few different books of short stories. At the time, he had a novel and a book of short stories. Um, so I said, I'll do I'll do the novel, <laughs> which is like six line poem. Um, 
And then I did nine of his short stories. And so I just took them and I spent a lot of time just rereading them and trying to zoom in on different images and finding my way towards the heart of what he was aiming at. And then I would pull that out and try and write my own poem that was aiming at the same thing. Uh, so they're, they're covers, but I guess I'm, uh, I probably am just too self-centered and they ended up just being like me becoming the, the eye in the story and then figuring out what I would do with this new body. So it was fun, but it was challenging. <laughs> was it intimidating at all to share your versions you would think so you would think it would be with anybody else it probably would have been uh nick is the nicest person you'll ever meet and he's so enthusiastic i had to like learn his language to figure out if he actually didn't like something like if there was a lot of all caps and exclamation points i was like all right that's done but if he would say something like hey man look you're the poet uh that's okay all right so that one missed that one missed i can i can try that again um but no absolutely not intimidating he's a lot of fun to work with Awesome. Yeah, I love when you can pick up on on people's like reading between the lines of their communication style. It's a it's a talent. It is. Sure. It's tough. It's <laughs> tough. But if you want if you want to really get to what they're looking for, you got to try and learn how they speak. <laughs> exactly. So you've mentioned how you've done some readings before you've done uh, performances of your different works. And I always like to ask people this that that give some kind of performance. What's your worst gig, your worst experience? <sighs> My worst gig. Um, so I read in, it's funny when like you're getting started, there's so much, you have to try and do so much promotion, but you also have a very small audience and they've, they're like related to you. Um, so you're just like playing professional for a bunch of people that know that you're full of it. Um, and I remember doing a book, uh, uh, reading at a bookstore and I think there was like three people there and one of them was my wife. Um, and it was in this really tight little corner and it just like, if you would have walked in, it would have looked like four people having coffee and one person standing up. Like why <laughs> they must not have had a fourth chair that that guy's got to stand up at. Um, and I think because of that, it's, it's intimidating to read like soul bearing, depressing poetry to three people. Um, and so that I just I walked out of there feeling like, is this a thing to do or not? <laughs> <laughs> that's, I'm picturing that visual of someone walking in and just being like, ah, that's weird. That guy's trying to make a point. <laughs> so he's standing. <laughs> it's very enthusiastic. Yeah. And I think that that touches on something, too, because I feel like I've heard from some writers who love doing readings. They like they're. Say, give me several a month. I'm all, you know, I'll travel all around doing them. And then other people are like, no, I, I don't want to do that at all. And I'll find another avenue to to market my work. And I think there's merits behind both of them. Like, if you're not comfortable reading, doing a reading is probably not the best thing for yeah. you. There's there's other ways that you can you can get your work out there. So have you found? And this can be either like pre COVID or or during COVID because that shifts everything too. A, a marketing avenue or, or just something that has worked well in getting more people to learn about your work aside from guesting on great podcasts. Like absolutely. This, so, yeah. So besides <laughs> that, um, I absolutely love reading. Um, I'm one of the people that thrives on performance and the, I, so I got lucky really early on by connecting with um, Scott from Frightened Rabbit. So he was the illustrator of my books and 
already had a, a very strong fan base who were really interested in the side projects that he did. And so when we did FM When We Wake together, I think I was kind of allowed in the back door to this kind of music adjacent group of people who love music, but also love to read. And so because their lyrics were so poetic already and they they didn't write like pop top 40 songs, they wrote like songs that really got to the heart of life. Their fans kind of adopted me. <laughs> so I got really lucky there. And from that, I've kind of kept in with the music community, which has been nice. Um, so I'm on I'm getting ready to go back out for a few more shows for joy, but all of the performances on this little summer book tour um, involve musicians in different cities. So I'm performing at music venues with musicians and we kind of talk back and forth. So they'll play while I read and then I step back and they finish the song that they intro during the reading. And it's a really cool process, but it feels so natural to be doing that with a musician on stage. I feel like this is going to be, what I do for a little while. I think that's again like a nice way to collaborate with people, uh, and and get, I mean, both get your your own work out there. Obviously, get their work too. But just to, I think it's just so cool to meet people. I mean, that's largely the reason why I started this podcast. Yeah, absolutely, a selfish reason. But we're gonna go with no. It. I don't think it is. It's what <laughs> that's like. What this is all about, though, right? Like just finding ways to connect with other people. It's so it's so imperative. Like especially after you know, what we've experienced for the past couple of years, like to find new ways to meet new interesting people. I think that's what we should absolutely be doing right now. Yeah. And hopefully you've avoided all of the uh, three people sitting down at a coffee shop at, at these venues, and it's a little more. So far, so good. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed for the rest of them. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure they'll be fantastic. <laughs> we actually found out we just sold out our Brooklyn one, so that one's covered. Now oh, nice. I just got to worry about Boston. Fantastic. Brooklyn. Oh, I, I mean, I love all of New York. It's very, very enjoyable to get up there. <laughs> yeah, I love I've had um, a lot of really good readings in Brooklyn, so I'm excited to get back there. Excellent. And uh, another question that I always like to ask, I always say it's because it's less work for me, is a question you wish you were asked more frequently. And we've kind of touched on it a little bit that there's there's some existential uh, philosophies going on in your work and, and making people kind of think about where they fit in in their life and and in the world really and i like that you you kind of shaped it like this of how having that mindset can foster joy and meaning so how can it so yeah i i like talking about this because i think that it can be helpful it's been really helpful for me um i think that existentialism gets a bad rap because it's inherently it sounds depressing when you say nothing has meaning <laughs> and i get that um but i think if you read further into it uh there's ways to apply it in life that can be super helpful like I, the idea of authenticity can be so freeing to recognize that nobody knows what they're doing the only thing that makes anybody feel better is when they can convince someone else to do the same thing that they're doing so they're validated. So, like, remember when you failed a test in school and you'd go home and you'd tell, hey, mom, I failed the test. But everybody else did, too. Like, somehow that's supposed to make us feel better. Like, at the end of our life, we should be like, that was garbage. But everybody else's was, too. Um, and I think that existential thought and this idea of living authentically can be super freeing. 
And then, like, let's just don't, you don't have to do that. You don't have to, you can do whatever makes you feel like you're honoring the fact that you weren't born as a lightning bug or a, you know, a squirrel. Like, the fact that you get to be a person is insane. And let's not spend all that time worrying about about whether we're doing what everybody else is doing. So that's where the joy comes from. That just brought me back to high school in our uh, our AP bio class, where I science certainly not my strong suit. I was probably, uh, or maybe it was just honors bio. I think this was freshman year. I don't think I would have been in an AP class then. <laughs> I'm not that that advanced in science, but I remember uh, we had uh, for our grades we'd have our individual ID numbers, and a friend of mine was so concerned about what I was getting that he <laughs> found out like somehow what my number was, and then. <laughs> just like looked it up and he was like, Oh, I did better than you. And I was like, yeah, you know what you're doing in this class. And I do. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know what it is that we're so excited about other people doing just slightly worse than us. Like that's, it's, it's, I mean, it's in us as it's somewhere in our DNA that that exists, but it's something that we could be working really hard to get rid of because it's not working. <laughs> it's not helping our species. No, certainly not. And I, this is going to sound like the get off my lawn guy, but like uh, social media is certainly not helping. No, not at all. Either. Where I've, I've seen a trend lately of uh, the like Instagram versus reality. Oh, yeah. To, like the, the glamorous photo. And then some of the, the reality ones I've still seen. I'm like, this still looks yeah. really curated. Yep. Like, <laughs> I'm like, your reality is way better than my Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, all that. I, I hate all that stuff. I think it's poison. Um, if honestly, if I wasn't trying to do this, I wouldn't have any of it. On that, on that sad note. <laughs> yeah, everybody's. It seems like everybody's handcuffed to it. It's just everybody's handcuffs are something different. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's great, and I'm sure in five years we'll have something else. That, yeah, it'll be just, attached to our head. Just yeah, <laughs> or planet straight. Oh God, God, I hope even not. More, even more invasive. <laughs> All right, well, we'll we'll wrap up here with uh, a more positive <laughs> positive note there. Uh, your top three, we always like to wrap up with a top three. And for you, perhaps the NoFX and Rancid uh, BYO split is one of them, but your top three albums to listen to while writing. I cannot listen to music that has lyrics that are sung in a language that I speak, because uh, I just can't write when I'm hearing someone else speak, I, obviously, for obvious reasons. Um, so I found that one album that still has lyrics on it that I can listen to that is absolutely beautiful is a Rouge of Tobbs Vulture Prince. Um, it is just absolutely incredible. Um, the other two are lyricless, uh, for the most part. So there's Khaki King's Legs to Make Us Longer is an absolutely beautiful album. She is an incredible, um, instrumentalist acoustic guitar player predominantly a lot of like finger tapping and it it always sounds like there's 12 people playing but somehow she does it by herself uh and then the last one is mary Lattimore's silver ladders uh mary's a harpist and she's she's been on albums with people like cigarose and giant ross gay she did a collection with ross gay um and her harp playing is absolutely beautiful, but it's not necessarily classical. So there's a lot of like ambient things that are put in there too. So it's just really, really interesting to listen to. And it can help you kind of like just get lost. Those are, I'm adding those all to the list. Yeah, throw them uh, on. They're, we'll, they're all beautiful. We'll drop in links in the show notes as well. So if anyone else wants, I, 
to check them out. I mean, would definitely recommend. There's this is a, a massive throwback, but I remember an old Mashable article back in the day that was like obscure things that are on Spotify. Um, and one of them is Panpipes versions of pop songs. Huh. And I, I the other day I was just like randomly thinking about it and I kind of put it on and did some writing to it. And I was like, I don't know if I could do this regularly because it's like I still know what the lyrics are supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like so comforting to have that sound going. So I was like, okay, for like a little bit of writing, this was this is pretty nice. But then like when you were young by the killers came on and I was like, Yeah, then I know, bro- I know it, it breaks it. Yeah. yeah, whatever you had was gone. <laughs> yeah, it's gotta be a pop song you don't know well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, Francis, thank you so much for, for hopping on and taking the time to chat. This was fantastic. I'm excited to to see all the work that you've got coming out uh, on top of what you've already got. If people want to learn more about you or see some of your work, where can they find you? Uh, FrancisDelario.com is the central hub of all things poetry for me. Um, so you can get books, tour dates, uh, contact information, all that good stuff there. Uh, links to poems that were published in magazines. So people can check those out if they want to try before they buy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's FrancisDelario.com. Awesome. We'll link to that as well. So everyone, no excuse to not check out Francis's work. It's fantastic. Thank you again for hopping on. This was a blast. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. And we got to wrap with a corny joke, as we always do. What did the poet say to Luke Skywalker? What? Metaphors be with you. <laughs> Good after today, people. <laughs> Good People, Cool Things is produced in Austin, Texas. If you're a fan of this episode, go ahead and hit that follow button. That helps more people hear the show. You can send me a message, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Thank you to all of the guests who have been on Good People, Cool Things. You can check out all the old episodes via goodpeoplecoolthings.com. As always, thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 